please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Last week we concluded uh, a mini-series, if you will, on the sacrament of baptism. Well, this week we will begin another mini-series of sorts, on the sac- this time focusing on the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And we'll see what it means uh, what, that the Supper is a means of grace. We'll see what the elements that are commanded to be used by Christ Jesus are. And we will see how we rightly receive this sacrament. And so with that in mind, give your attention now to the reading of God's Word from 1 Corinthians 11, beginning at verse 17. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there, are, that there be divisions among you. And I partly believe it. For there must, also, uh, there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper. And one is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God? And shame them that have not. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus the same night in which He was betrayed took bread. And when He had given thanks, He brake it and said, Take, eat, this is My body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of Me. After the same manner also He took the cup when He had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in My blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation unto himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. 
Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. For if a man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye may come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let us now ask His blessing upon it. Heavenly Father, we come unto Thee once again and we do thank Thee for Thy Word. Thy Word which is truth. Thy Word which enlightens the soul. Thy Word which has been kept pure in all ages. That Thou hast preserved with Thy providential power. And so, Lord, we ask Thee to teach us this day from Thy Word. Let Thy truths be put on display to us, and let it prick our hearts to a greater service of Thee. We ask, Lord, that the minister would decrease so that Christ Jesus would be exalted. Let the preaching be not in the enticing words of man's wisdom, but be in demonstration of the Spirit and the power. Father God, we ask Thee, feed us with Thy Word. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as we take up the doctrine and practice, we must remember the warning that we've heard numerous times throughout this sermon series already. When we consider the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, we do not consider it from a position of tradition or of preference. But we approach it by looking to the Word of God for teaching and instruction. And so if at any point we find that our doctrine or practice does not line up with Scripture, then we are obligated to reform those areas to be conformed to what Christ has commanded. Well, our focus this morning is on the nature of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. That it is a sign and a seal of the covenant of grace. And unfortunately, this simple fact has been twisted and perverted throughout church history. And many today still operate from a false understanding of what this sacrament is. I've had numerous people, even those who are within the Reformed churches, tell me that without the sacrament administered, then the congregation is starved of grace. 
And that's why so many seek to have the supper on a weekly basis because they view the worship service to be incomplete without the administration of the sacrament. While this is not a sermon on the frequency of the sacrament, and if you want to discuss that further, we can at some other point in time, but it's important to the topic at hand. Because this emphasis stems from a flawed understanding of what the Lord's Supper is. In fact, this is nothing more than a softened form of the papist doctrine ex opere operato. That out of the working of the sacrament, grace is conferred to the one partaking the sacrament. That it is the sacrament itself that does this. And this is a blasphemous view that must be rejected. And the softened form of it that's found within Reformed churches must be denounced as well as a grave error. So if that's not what we believe about the Lord's Supper, what is it that we confess about the Supper? Well, our larger catechism states the Lord's Supper is a sacrament of the New Testament wherein by giving and receiving bread and wine according to the appointment of Christ, His death is showed forth and they that worthily communicate feed upon His body and blood to their spiritual nourishment and growth in grace, have their union and communion with Him confirmed, testify and renew their thankfulness and engagement to God and their mutual love and fellowship, each with other as members of the same mystical body. It's a sign and a seal of the covenant of grace. It is the Spirit working through the sacrament that confers these things to those who receive it. And so as we consider this theme of the Lord's Supper, let us do so by looking at three things which are signified and sealed in this sacrament. First, the death of Christ. Next, spiritual nourishment and growth. And then finally, union and communion. So first and most obvious uh, thing that is signified in this sacrament, signified and sealed in this sacrament, is the death of Christ. Look at verses 23 to 26. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is My body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of Me. After the same manner also He took the cup when He had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in My blood. 
This do ye as often as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. The entirety of the supper is signifying the death of Christ. And we'll consider the elements uh, more in depth in another sermon, but it's crucial to understand what is being shown forth in this sacrament. Every time we partake of this sacrament, we are given sensible signs and seals of the great atoning sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. The bread which we partake of is the body of Christ. It shows forth His body broken for you. And so each time you put that bit of bread into your mouth, you ought to be reminded of what Christ endured on your behalf. His back was ripped apart by the whip of those Roman soldiers. His hands were pierced with nails as he hung as he hung to a cross. His brow was stuck with the thorns of that makeshift crown. And this this was for you. This is what is before you in the supper. Each time you take a sip of that wine, you partake of His blood, which is poured out for the remission of your sins. The bitterness of the wine ought to remind you of the bitter cup of God's wrath, which Christ Jesus drank to the dregs. Flowing forth from the Son of God was a fountain of blood teeming with life. And every single drop was spilled for the remission of your sins. That is what this supper shows forth. That is what is signified in it. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till He come. But the death of Christ is not merely signified in the partaking of the supper, but it is truly sealed unto you as well. Those realities which are contained within the sacrament, and particularly His sacrificial death and atonement, are sealed unto you in partaking of this sacrament rightly. It's not simply that Christ died for His people. It's that Christ died for me. It's that Christ died for you. Christ died for His church of whom we are all part. In the sacrament of baptism, you are sealed with that initiatory sacrament, marking you as one who belongs to the covenant community. 
as one who belongs to Christ. And here in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, you are, se- you, you are sealed with that confirmatory sacrament, which proclaims that you have made this covenant your own. That you have agreed to the terms of the covenant. And that you have been made a partaker in the death of Christ. You are proclaiming with the old covenant saints in Exodus chapter 24, all that the Lord hath said will we do and be obedient. And so it is a heinous thing to partake of this sacrament if you have not been made a partaker in Christ's death. If you cannot agree to the terms of the covenant as seen in Exodus, you cannot partake of the covenant meal. The sacrament is not a parallel sacrament with baptism as some try to make it out to be. This is not an initiatory sacrament which proclaims that you belong to the people of God. This is a confirmatory sacrament which declares that you have made this covenant your own. Do not confuse those two. For great errors and heresies are bound to happen if you do. Dear friends, do not neglect this simple truth that is at the crux of this sacrament. That Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. His death purchased salvation for you. This sacrament by the working of the Holy Spirit in your heart seals that great reality unto you. You are His and He is yours. What a great comfort that is as we walk down this winding road of life which is so often filled with moments of great weariness and discouragement. You are who the Lord's table is open to. Weary sinners who cling to the cross of Christ. Lay hold of that which is sealed unto you. Remember the sacrifice of the Savior as His body was broken for you. And His blood was poured out for the remission of your sins. Lay hold of Christ. Perhaps you are here today and you have not made this covenant your own. You have not truly repented of your sins and embraced Christ Jesus as your Savior. Then the call to you this day is to repent and believe the Gospel. You know the Gospel. You have heard Christ preached unto you. Close with Him. Make this covenant your own and vow 
to uphold the terms of it. Put to death the old man and be made a partaker in the death of Christ. If you are outside of Christ, then nothing else in this sermon or anything else that is said here is more important than this right here. Turn unto Christ and be saved. And you too will be made a partaker of that which is signified and sealed in this sacrament. So let us move on now to consider the spiritual reality that is signified and sealed in the Lord's Supper, and that is the spiritual nourishment and growth. While this one may not be as obvious as the death of Christ, it is still fairly plain to see in the sacramental action itself. It's important to realize that Christ gave us this sacrament as a meal. And this is one of the purposes of it. He could have chosen something other than food and drink to be this confirmatory sacrament, but what better to show nourishment and growth than a meal? What better shows forth this imagery than eating and drinking? Look at the text once again. For I've received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which He was betrayed took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat. This is My body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of Me. After the same manner also He took the cup when He had supped, saying, This is the cup of the New Testament in My blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of Me. When you sit down at a table and you partake of a meal, you know the reason why you are doing that. The Lord has given us food as a good gift both to enjoy and to provide us with the nourishment that we need in order to grow. Our food, once it's ingested, gets converted into our bodies uh, and causes us to increase in muscle and in strength. It strengthens our bones. And it provides us with the energy that is needed to continue functioning. The same is true of of the Lord's Supper. That's why we say we feed on Christ. Not that we believe He is physically present in the elements of bread and wine as the Lutherans and the Papists do. But that we feed spiritually on Him. Trusting that He will provide us with the spiritual nourishment that we need and cause us to grow spiritually by it. But we must be careful not to think that this is 
that it is in the simple act of eating some bread and wine that we are spiritually nourished and caused to grow. You can eat some bread and you can drink some wine and the Lord will not cause it to be spiritual food unto you. To think otherwise is, is the great error that I mentioned at the beginning of this sermon that tends to attract many within the Reformed community. There's nothing inherently special about eating bread and drinking wine which would cause it to confer grace unto you. There is no special type of grace that is found in only in the supper that is missed out on if the sacrament isn't partaken of. If the spirit it is the spirit of God operating within the hearts of the believer who makes the supper an effectual means of grace. And that is only done when the supper is taken rightly with a proper understanding of what the sacrament is and with a heart that has been prepared to receive the sacrament in a worthy manner. And that operation of the Spirit is not in the sacrament itself, but it's through the preached Word applied and confirmed by the sacrament. Without the Word, the sacrament is but vain symbols. It has no power. There is no grace conferred in the partaking of the sacrament which is not also found in the preaching of the Word. The very same grace that you are receiving at this moment is the grace that is found in the supper. On this, Calvin writes, as the use of the sacrament will confer nothing more on unbelievers than if they had abstained from it, nay, is only destructive to them. So without their use, believers receive the reality which is there figured. The reality of the grace figured in the sacrament is received by believers even when it is not partaken of. This is because it is the preaching of the Word that is the primary means of grace as is confessed in Westminster Larger Catechism 155. The Spirit of God maketh the reading but especially the preaching of the Word an effectual means of enlightening, convincing, and humbling sinners, of driving them out of themselves and drawing them unto Christ, of conforming them to His image and subduing them to His will, of strengthening them against temptations and corruptions, of building them up in grace and establishing their hearts in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. Friends, we must guard ourselves from a quasi-sacerdotalism 
that believes that we are missing out on the grace of the Lord if the sacrament is not taken. We do not believe as the papists do in an ex opere operato view of the, of, of the efficacy of the sacrament. We must be careful not to begin to think in this way. The Lord promises to nourish you. And He will cause you to increase, to grow in maturity. And this glorious reality is signified and sealed in this covenant meal. But it is not only here in this meal that it is done. Nor is it primarily here in the sacrament that it is done. If you're waiting for the Lord's Supper to get your fill of spiritual nourishment and to rely upon the Lord to cause growth in your spiritual life, then you've completely mistaken the purpose of the sacrament. What it is. What the nature of it is. And you've diminished the essential nature of the primacy of the preached Word. You have your spiritual food set before you each and every day. Open up your Bibles and feast upon all that all-you-can-eat buffet which is contained therein. Sing with the psalmist in Psalm, one, uh, in Psalm 19 as he describes the Word of God. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Proclaim with the prophet Jeremiah, Thy words were found and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Take heed to the words of Christ in Matthew 4, 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jehovah has given us His Word to be our spiritual food. And it is by the Holy Spirit working through the Word attached to the supper that this sacrament is sealed unto you for your spiritual nourishment and growth in grace. And now let us finally consider that the Lord's Supper is... Uh, signifying and sealing unto you union and communion. This ought to be something that is obvious considering the fact that we refer to the Lord's Supper as communion. But that only gets to one aspect of it and it also fails to highlight the spiritual reality that is signified and sealed in the sacrament.
So let us look at union. Union with Christ is an absolutely essential part of the Christian life. Without it, there is no Christian life. Here in the supper, you partake of the body and blood of Christ, not in a carnal sense, but in a spiritual sense. And this is but a confirmation of partaking of His body and blood that, bought, uh, that brought you into union with Him. Without this spiritual partaking of His body and blood, there is no means of salvation. Listen to the words of Christ in John 6, verses 52 and 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth My flesh and drinketh My blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is His body broken for you and His blood poured out for the remission of your sins, those things which are signified and sealed here in this covenant meal. It is those things that purchased your salvation. If you are not made a partaker of His body and His blood by the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit, then that salvation is not yours. And you do not have that vital union with Christ that is necessary. But we must be careful here so that we do not fall into the blasphemous lies of popish thought concerning the supper. That bread and the wine are just that. Bread and wine. Partaking of the sacramental elements are not uh, is not what unites you to Christ. The meal does not confer salvation unto you because it is not a saving ordinance. The only means of salvation is the Holy Spirit applying that body broken and that blood shed to you. Making you a partaker of it and uniting you to your Savior, anything else is heresy. And flowing from the union that you have in Christ and being signified and sealed in the Lord's Supper is communion. Union and communion go hand in hand. This communion is twofold. It is communion with Christ and it is communion with your fellow believer. Friends, this is something that can very easily be shown forth in the sacramental actions of the supper. We are called to come and sit at the king's table. This is an honor and a privilege that ordinarily wouldn't be given to people such as us. Because we are unworthy to even sit at the, on the floor at the feet of Jesus and to eat the scraps that fall off of His table. 
But Christ Jesus has made us worthy to come and commune with Him, to partake of a meal with Him, and to enjoy fellowshipping with Him in His presence. I fear that this is something which is often overlooked in churches today. The confession of faith states that by faith we spiritually receive and feed upon Christ crucified and all benefits of His death. The body and blood of Christ being then not corporeally or carnally in with or under the bread and wine, yet as really but spiritually present to the faith of believers in that ordinance as the elements themselves are to their outward senses. Friends, Christ is really but spiritually present with us in the supper. What a beautiful thing that is. And it ought to cause you to draw closer unto Him each and every time you partake of this sacramental meal. But it is not only with Christ that you are communing. No, in the supper, you are also communing with your fellow believers. This is one of the reasons the sacramental uh, action of the body of Christ sitting together around a table is important. Because we are to share this meal together. And when you share, share a meal together, you do so at a table. Friends, I know that modern American Christianity teaches that everything about your religion is personal and individual. But that is patently false. We'll get into this truth of, of communion and uh, being a communion with one another in a further sermon. But I want to show you now that without a proper understanding of this, it will tear the church asunder. Look at the beginning of our passage that we read. Now in this I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worst. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you. And I partly believe it, for there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. These Corinthians turned the supper of our Lord, this communal sacramental meal, into an individualistic, hedonist free-for-all. And this was causing divisions to arise within the congregation. They had turned what ought to have been a sober part of worship, highlighting their unity with one another 
into a debased, hedonistic party where the poor among them were neglected. I pray that this never becomes the case with you. I pray that you never fall into the trap of thinking that this meal is something that is particular to you and that all that matters, uh, that you are all that matters when you partake of this. That it's yourself and not the corporate body. I pray that's never the case. The meal is called communion. Communion with Christ. Communion with one another. Let us truly view it as such. Brothers and sisters, I know some of what has been said here has been repeated in other uh, sermons. But what is said here is worthy of being repeated. This sacrament is one that can very easily become twisted, distorted, perverted, or even turned into a blasphemous ceremony. You must take heed lest you fall into those errors which we are all so prone to do. This meal is given to you not to you individually, but to you as a corporate body. And it is given to you for your benefit. All of those benefits which are found in Christ are truly signified and sealed in this sacrament. And you as the people of God are to partake of this. You are to partake of Christ in this supper. Eating of that one bread. Drinking of that one cup. Partaking of that one Christ. And all as His one people. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come unto Thee and we do thank Thee for this meal, this sacrament which Thou hast given us. We pray, Lord, that we would never distort, twist, pervert this sacrament, but that we would seek to partake of it in a worthy manner, not because we are worthy, but because Christ Jesus is worthy. And that we as the church would administer this sacrament rightly as Christ Jesus instituted it that we would show forth those things that are signified and sealed. Both in the supper itself and in our sacramental actions. Lord, let us ponder on these things and use this sermon to help us to prepare even now for our coming communion season the end of August. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.